Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21, 26 through 28. You shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, that I am commanding you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn from the way that I am commanding you today to follow other gods that you have not known. This is the word of the Lord, and God's people said, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, early this year, we installed some new live streaming equipment, the cameras and the equipment back on our expanded sound table in the rear. We used this equipment for the first time last Sunday. We're using it for the second time today. And I love what this equipment allows us now to do. We've renovated the sanctuary such that it's now a space that we can better invite people outside our doors in. We can better allow those who wish to worship with us remotely to do so. And many thanks to Knox's worship committee and session for that sanctuary renovation. But many of us have been preparing this sanctuary to do something we have not done as a congregation for more than a year. We've been preparing it for this day to be able to welcome people into these doors, to sit in these pews once again. Your facilities committee and reentry task force and lighting expert Kevin Harvey and our staff and other Knox volunteers have been working hard to prepare this worship space for this day. We've tackled overdue projects like wood refinishing. You'll notice up on the communion table and in the pews and in the wood in back, we've tried to refinish the wood throughout to take advantage of this rare opportunity when people aren't meeting or haven't been meeting regularly in this sanctuary to do that. We've given the place a thorough cleaning. We're cleaning the pew cushions right now. We've even done some work in this area on the south side of the nave. We have been determined through our reentry task force to monitor health directives and the best information we could get on safeguarding the health of our community and our neighbors. And we determined today, with timely precautions in place and appropriate preparations made, we could safely allow people, if they felt comfortable doing so, to enter this physical sanctuary and worship God seated in a pew. 
And so, with this recent work done on preparing this space for remote worship and preparing it for in-person worship, now that we are worshiping God remotely and in person, it seemed to me like a great opportunity with this renovated sanctuary to ask as a congregation this question, why have a building? What is a building for? Why have a building? There are plenty of congregations today that don't have a building, don't feel the need for a building. They'll meet in auditoriums or in schools or in parks or even in homes. This past year, a host of churches like ours worshipped from our various homes, from all manner of different spaces. Sure, we had the sanctuary as a backdrop for some of us who led worship from here, but essentially the worship took place from our different homes connected over the internet. And so, if you can worship without a building, if you can gather without a building, why have a church building and what is the use of a church building like this one? Well, last Sunday we looked at the value that a church building can have in hosting worship. We looked specifically at the book of Ezra in the Hebrew scriptures and of a time in the history of the people of God when the people of Jerusalem and Judah, former residents of Jerusalem and Judah who had known exile for some 50 years, finally returned to Jerusalem and to the site of their temple. It was in ruins. It had been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. But in that moment when they were finally, after 50 years of exile, able to return, able to stand on the ground where their temple had stood for roughly four centuries before, there was an outpouring of emotion as the people of God worshipped, as they laid the foundation of a new temple there in Jerusalem. On one hand, there were cries of lament. Those who remembered the temple that had stood there for centuries cried when they saw it in ruin. But there were also shouts of joy. People were thrilled that they could see the stone being laid for a worship space that was getting built and would be enjoyed for, sanctuary, for years and generations to come. This space invited people, inspired people, both to bring great lament to God and bring praise and thanks to God. And that is what a building like this one can do today for those who are joining us remotely and in person. It can inspire us to bring our praise and thanksgiving to God. And I don't know about you, but there have been many times in recent days, and right now is one of those times when I see the future breaking in a light breaking in, the opportunity to see people in 3D to gather once again. But there are also cries of lament that we have, lament for all the loss represented over this year, the loss that our world is enduring this very day due to COVID-19, our hearts break especially for India and nations hit so hard with COVID-19 right now. It's good to have a space where people gathered in person or gathered remotely can be inspired and directed to cry out to God and lament and to praise God with joy. Inspiring worship, housing worship, that is a great purpose for a church building today. But in the scripture text that was read by Dorothy and Avalon this morning, we see another great use for 
a sanctuary. In this passage from Deuteronomy, this scripture speaks to the value a building can have for generations, the great value it can have for generations. Today's scripture is attributed to Moses, who is noting God's word to the people. Earlier in Deuteronomy, Moses recites for God's people the Ten Commandments. Worship no one but the Lord your God, Moses tells the people, giving them God's word. Turn from idols, honor God's name, keep the Sabbath, honor your father and mother, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal or lie or covet. Well, after naming those commandments, Moses admonishes God's people to keep these commandments, to pass them on. We read, you shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Moses is telling the people of God as they were gathered at Mount Sinai, listen, these commandments God has given you, they're not just for you. Don't just hear and hold them yourselves. Pass them on to your children. Pass them on to other generations. God's word is something you hold and that you pass on. And how do you accomplish it? How do you pass on God's word? Well, you talk about it. You live it. And you do something else. You construct visual reminders of the power and value of God's word. That way people can see it and remember, be inspired to think once again of what a precious gift the word of God truly is, the commandments of God represent for generations still to come. Write these commandments on your doorposts, we read, and on your gates. You may know that today, in rabbinic Judaism, adherents will write the Ten Commandments on a small piece of parchment that's called a cloth, and they'll put that in a decorative case called a mezuzah. And they will place the mezuzah on the doorposts of their homes so that they and their children, when they enter or leave or when guests come in, they will see that mezuzah and they'll be reminded of the precious gift that those commandments, that the word of God represents. They will be reminded the word of God leads to life for us and others still to come. Sometimes there is a gift so precious you want to pass it down from generation to generation. That way it's not a gift that you simply enjoy, but that others after you will enjoy as well. It's a gift that can be cherished for generations. Well, some of you know there is a little cottage that is special to my family in northern Michigan. My grandfather on my father's side had it built a long time back, back when he was alive. He could drive to it. It was roughly two hours from his home in Flint, Michigan, and this little cottage by a lake in northern Michigan was a vacation spot for him and for his sons. Well, we grew up regularly in summers getting to go and visit the cottage, and this little cottage has now become a cherished place for our children, for my dad's children, and now our children. And we can't wait to get to visit there this summer. 
when we get to travel to Michigan. Sometimes there is a gift so precious and that my grandfather gave to my father and his family and to my uncle, my father's brother and his family, a gift so precious they want to pass it on and are already looking at how it might be passed on to generations yet to come. Sometimes a gift is that precious. Now I know in some families, perhaps your family, the gift might be some heirloom or piece of jewelry or carving or sculpture that is passed on. Perhaps your parents passed it on to you and you will one day pass it on to your children. You might have heard of the family that had had treasured a very old vase They kept it on the mantle where everyone could see it. When the mother came in from shopping late one afternoon, her teenage daughter said, Mom, you know that vase that has been handed down from generation to generation? Yes, dear, mother said, what about it? Her daughter said, well, this generation just dropped it. We read in Deuteronomy, of a gift so precious it was never to be dropped, never to be forgotten, never to be lost. Rather, it was a gift to be held and passed on to generations yet to come. It was the gift of God's word. And to remember what a precious gift it was, the mezuzah or the Ten Commandments placed in a piece of parchment and put as a sign on people's doors and on the gates could remind people of that. Spaces like door frames and gates were modified so that people would have that visual reminder of what a precious gift the Word of God is and how it's passed on to generations. Well, for the scripture reading this morning, Dorothy, a grandmother, read a section of scripture with her granddaughter, Avalon. I pray, Dorothy and Avalon, I pray generations within this church community might know and pass on and enjoy together the precious gift God's commandments represent, that God's word represents. For again and again in Deuteronomy, we read God's word leads to life. We read that we have a choice ever before us, blessings or curses, life or death, and for life, for the path that leads to life, for the path of deep connection with the author of life, God's word is given to us as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's word leads to life, life in right relationship with God, with our neighbor, with the goodness of the earth, with the natural world. God's word is a gift so precious. God wants us to pass it on from generation to generation. And God wants to create us to create visual reminders to remember that gift for generations. Well, some of you know this sanctuary was built completed back in 1961. The architect was Culver Heaton. His granddaughter is a part of our church today. And one thing that the Culver Heaton, our architect, and the session of Knox Presbyterian Church at that time clearly wanted to be a central symbol for this community was our cross They clearly wanted wherever you sat, when you came into this space, your eye would be drawn immediately to that central symbol. They built this space with that prominent front and center. The cross is a symbol for Christians today of God's word. 
The word that became flesh and dwelt among us, the word that proclaimed release to the captives and sight to the blind, the word that brought salvation and forgiveness of sin, the word that was crucified, dead, and buried, the word that rose again from the dead. That word, that living word symbolized by the cross, that's a gift from God we pass on from generation to generation. And what a gift to have such a powerful visual reminders to point ourselves and our children to that word of God made flesh that we know in Christ. You may know the letters IHS that you see in front of this pulpit now that we are employing, again, are the first three letters in Greek of the name Jesus. The first three letters of Jesus. It's meant to remind us that from the pulpit, Jesus is to be proclaimed. I love how Karl Barth described the threefold word of God for the church. Barth noted how we have the living word of God in Jesus Christ He also noted we have the word of God written that reveals the living word to us. And then we have the word of God proclaimed. That is the word, the scriptures interpreted that we might together come to know more deeply the scriptures and the Savior revealed. So here in the Knox Sanctuary, we try to lift up that threefold word of God. We have the cross, we have the three letters of Jesus's name to remind us of the Savior, the living word. We have that Bible on the table to remind us of the word of God written. And we also have the carving, which you'll see Jesse and Imelda Ramirez, who've been working to refinish this, have waxed it and touched it up and highlighted it so that the picture can really be seen of Jesus gathered with the disciples, recalling for us that great story from Scripture of Jesus hosting the Last Supper, a story we recall every time we gather at that table to celebrate communion. We hope that this pulpit, too, reminds us of the word of God proclaimed so that we can celebrate and savor that threefold word of God each Sunday, the living word of God, the word of God written, and the word of God proclaimed. We can remember together what a precious gift the word of God represents, and for that it helps to have some visual reminders, some visual cues, lest we ever forget what a precious gift God represents. Well, this space was built back in 1961, and since that time, it has been passed on from generation to generation. And unlike a private home or private cottage, this church home is open to all, all now both remotely and in person, and has visual reminders that serve like a mezuzah to help us recall and savor the preciousness of God's Word. God's Word is a gift for generations, and a space like this can help us remember that and to pass it on. There's something about gathering virtually and in person with people across generations that can help you realize God's Word is a gift for generations. You may know that Knox's mission statement is this, inviting 
thoughtful seekers to intergenerational community and Christian discipleship in the world, inviting thoughtful seekers to intergenerational community and Christian discipleship in the world. I love the sound of children crying out during this morning's worship service. It's a precious sound, isn't it? Because we believe there's value in being an intergenerational community gathered remotely or in person, that we are people of different ages and we savor and hear and respond to the word of God as people across generations. There is power in being an intergenerational community for it reminds us that God's word is a gift for generations. Well, one last story on the power of a gift given to generations, a gift that can be enjoyed and recognized in intergenerational community and in spaces crafted for that. Some of you know that my alma mater is Williams College. It's where I met my wife, Jill, and it's a college that was founded back in 1793, so it's a very old school. And I remember when I was first visiting colleges, walking on the Williams College campus, and feeling that sense of history seemed to emanate from the buildings and the grounds. I thought of students that had walked that area, entered those buildings for decades, for even centuries. And I remember my freshman year, especially one particular powerful event gathered in this huge auditorium that had been there for so long, Chapin Hall, it was called. I heard an re- alumni reunion concert for a singing group called the Williams Octet. There was a current iteration of the Williams Octet made up of current Williams students who sang But then we got to hear other alumni who had been a part of the singing group in prior years sing. They had members of the Williams Octet from, say, a decade or more ago, many of whom were working at MTV, some of whom even sang on Broadway, and they were fabulous. And then they brought up Williams Octet alumni who were in their 80s or 90s or 70s, and they came up too to sing some of the old songs. And finally, near the end of this alumni concert I attended as a freshman, everyone who'd ever been a part of the Williams Octet gathered up on the front stage and sang one of the songs people had sung for generations, Neath the Shadow of the Hills, an old college song for that space. And I thought, how powerful to see that intergenerational gathering up front. Well, my sophomore year, I tried out for this group, and then when it came to homecoming weekend, my sophomore year, there I was, a part of that gathering, that gathering of more than 50 folks of alumni through the ages who had all cherished the gift of song. They'd received the gift of song, and they'd passed on the gift of of song. It was a powerful moment, but not as powerful, not as powerful as each Sunday morning when I would go from my dorm down to a place just a few blocks from Chapin Hall, down to a little white Baptist church that held maybe a hundred people. Often there were 50, 40 to 50 of us gathered, but across the generations from the very young to the very old, we gathered in this little white sanctuary, and up in the front, there was a big Bible and a pulpit. There was a reminder to us every week of the preciousness of God's word, and we got to receive that gift 
to savor it each and every Sunday as an intergenerational community. Thanks be to God. What a gift we have in God's word. What an incredible, incredible gift. May this building help us, all of us, to savor it and to pass it on to generations yet to come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.